If you want to be a premier cop, then you need to learn from the premier police training company in the land. Of course, I'm talking about Street Cop Training. They've got dozens of instructors out in the field right now, sharing their expertise in narcotics, interdiction, report writing, first aid, mental health, case law, and just quality police work. And those aren't even all the topics. There's literally something for everybody. I've attended several classes myself, and I can tell you that these folks cannot miss. Dennis Benino, the owner, is doing massive things for the world of law enforcement at a time when everyone else seems to be running away from it. Street Cop Training is literally the best in the business. Check out their private Instagram and join their law enforcement-only Facebook group to get free trainings, and then check out upcoming in-person and on-demand trainings at streetcop.com. You will not be disappointed. The views and opinions expressed on the 10-8 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 10-8 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 10-8 podcast, crime prevention through environmental design with Art Hutchin. Where has this been my whole career? Best way to describe it is behavior modification through design. And once we accomplish that on the site, all of a sudden I can see who's approaching. Uh, offenders no longer have any place to stage or hide. We have learned we might not be able to change the offender, but what we can do is change the environment that supports the offender. Yes, it makes sense. And that's what community policing is all about. So it's not the police coming in and say, everybody in the paddy wagon. Now we have social services. And that makes a big difference in the eyes of the public. Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the 10A Podcast. It is episode 218. I am your humble host, 10A, and welcome to the podcast. We have today Art Hushin from... He's He's got so many different places he works for. He's got the uh, National Institute of Crime Prevention. He's got the Florida Institute of Pro- Crime Prevention. Florida, Florida Training Institute of Crime Prevention to the Attorney General's Office. That's where I know him from. So basically, last year, basically a year ago, um, I was kind of burnt out on the whole narcotics thing. I was working for a unit, and I really wasn't loving the whole narcotics life, the whole, hey, here's your case, here's five more cases, here's three more cases. All right, I need uh, I need answers by Friday. I, was, I wasn't... I wasn't good with it. I really wasn't. Um, but then we also did septed stuff. We did code enforcement stuff and we did stuff for neighborhoods. So I was like, Hey, septed, that sounds really cool. Put me in this class. And they did. And I kind of beefed with my Sergeant on and off. I just, we, we were two different learning styles really. And, uh, but this was the best thing he ever did for me. He, he put me in a septed class and blew my mind away. I remember sitting in the first hour of the first day before the first break going, where has this been my whole career? This is amazing. I, I thanked, I, I think I, I can't remember. I think I texted both my sergeant and my captain. We didn't have a lieutenant saying, thank you for allowing me to go to this class. It really reinvigorated my love for the job. 
I was so burnt out. I was like, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> Let me get back on patrol as soon as possible. And then I was like, oh, there's possibilities here. This is different. This is such a different approach to police work that I hadn't thought of. This is so innovative and amazing. And my instructor was Art Hushin. So Art, if you're listening to this on a playback, just know that uh, February 2021 in Orlando, Florida, amazing class. You you definitely changed my life. So what I want to say in our brief intro today, guys, is this is a prime example of real community policing. When I say community policing, I know you kind of throw up in like right up to the base of your throat, but it is not all, always coffee with a cop, rookies with cookies, or TikTok videos. When I say humanizing the badge, I know you kind of get that same feeling like when you burp and a little throw up comes up. I get it. This isn't humanizing the badge, but this is true community policing. This is literally a police officer working within the community to make the community a better place. And it doesn't involve arresting people. What it does involve, this is where the cool part comes in, is basically mind-fucking these people. I should probably edit that out, so that way people coming from Septed don't get offended. Sorry, Septed. Basically, you got these criminals, this uh, this criminal element, and they're occupying a space. And you employ Septed to go, no, 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 no. We're going to do this. We're going to change some light bulbs. We're going to add some more windows. We're going to cut down our shrubs, so that way we can look at these windows that we just installed. And now you're going to feel uncomfortable doing business in front of my house or in front of my business, in front of my apartment complex. And then the drug dealer goes, all right, this isn't the neighborhood to do this anymore. And then they move. And then you go to that neighborhood and then they move. And essentially, you ever play that game Jez Ball? Let me explain it to you. So you got your screen, right? Computer screen. This This is old. This is from, according to Google, 1992 Microsoft Windows. So anytime 1992 and on, which is most of my listenership, actually. Okay. Got your computer screen. It's just gray with a grid. And you got one or two balls. I think you start with one. Just bouncing all over the screen. And apparently bopping the microphone. My bad. So you go bouncing. And then you basically take your mouse. And you're going to draw lines. And it's going to create borders. And it's going to bring the borders in and in and in. Until you take up 75% of your screen. 75% or more according to Google. And then the ball is stuck. The ball has nowhere to go and the ball gets trapped. That is how we treat criminals through the SEPTED model. Right? We push them out of our neighborhoods. We push them out of our community centers. We push them out of our parks. Suddenly, they're only in one location. And then what? Then you get your jump out boys, your goons as I call them. And they take them out. They arrest them. You know? Because they're going to have limited area to play. Think of it like the game Risk. There's so many different metaphors I can put here. But that's the beauty of Septet. And then at the same time, you're engaging the community. You talk to the community leaders or, or you know, the pastors, whoever's around, and go, hey, what can we do to make this better? You know, if you're working with a community center or, or a pool or a pool or a park or whatever. The impact that you can make on a one-to-one or, you know, one-to-community basis is absolutely amazing. It's it's so innovative and it's great. And you know, I feel like 
when I was in class, when I took the second part of the class, we had an entire part of the day, uh, I think it was a 3A class, entire part of the day dedicated to art. And I was like, and, and when I say art, like paintings, not like art, the guy I'm about to talk to. <laughs> dedicated to art. And I was like, you know, I'm a cop, right? Like there's a badge on my chest. But it all works. It all makes sense. And I can't wait for my next class. As a matter of fact, I left the road. I'm now working in a different capacity. And I'm thinking, how can I integrate Septet into this new capacity? Because I love Septet. I've got to do so many things for... When I came back from, I think it was from basic Septed, instantly I started imploring it. I can't drive by a convenience store or a motel or a, or a restaurant at night without pointing out all the flaws based on Septed. My girlfriend can't stand it. It's amazing. So that being said, don't discredit this, guys. This is absolutely amazing. I think you'll get a lot away from it. And I think you should hit up art at the end and and revitalize your career especially those of you that are feeling burnt out from the same run and gun arrest the same guy put him in jail he gets out before you finish the paperwork like it gets old and i get that and i was in your shoes so check this out i guarantee you you will find something for it ladies and gentlemen here is my amazing conversation with one art hushing check it out conversation that you're about to hear folks is several months in the making uh art and i played phone tag or email tag back and forth ongoing since probably the summer but i'm very excited to bring this conversation ladies and gentlemen joining me today is art hutchin and uh he is he taught me what septet is and he's going to teach you guys a little bit what septet is and i got to tell you sir when i took your class it was almost a year ago now i remember sitting there i was there for the first I think before the first break and I text my command staff that let me attend your class. And I was like, thank you. I said, this opened my eyes to something totally new and we'll go into that in a little bit. But first, um, would you do me a favor, introduce yourself, let us know who you are, where you're from, what you do, and then uh, we'll just go on from there. All right. You got it. Uh, Hey everyone. My name is Art Hushin. I'm the president and the owner of the National Institute of Crime Prevention. And we are a SEPTED training consulting company based out of the Tampa, Florida area. Company started in 1999, so we've been around for a while, uh, and I've been doing this for some time. Prior to that, or in conjunction with this as well, I was assigned to the Tampa, Florida Police Department Special Operations uh, Bureau, where we were one of the first agencies in the country to create a full-time SEPTED unit, which is uh, we work closely with city planning, city architects, city designers, engineers, park designers, to include these concepts as part of the zoning code or part of the master plan. 
It went very well. I started in Tampa in about 1988 with the police department. Prior to that, I was in uh, South Texas. I'm actually born and raised in South Texas in a town called San Benito, Texas. So mm-hmm. not too many people know where it is. So I like to get mm-hmm. the plug in. And I started my law enforcement career right up the street in a town called McAllen, Texas, which was right on the U.S.-Mexico border down by Brownsville. Okay. And a generation of families there and all involved with law enforcement over the time. And I kind of went a different path once I got involved with SEPTED. I saw the value and was pulled into this when I was still a beat officer assigned to the entertainment district in Tampa, Ybor City, mm-hmm. and wound up learning about it and saying, this stuff is so cool. Yeah. I've got to do something with it. And kind of like you, I sat in that first class back in 92, and I was like, where has this been my whole career? Right, and right. I got the bug. Yeah, I, I remember sitting there, and so I was part of a problem-oriented policing unit, which is based on problem-oriented policing, which is kind of a, a different topic, which I've covered in the past, but basically broken window theory. And right. that is exactly what SEPTED is. It's basically putting it into practice, you know, talking about taking care of your, your domain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, it, it clicked for me for some reason. It just like sitting there hearing your presentation in the very, like I said, the first hour before the first break going, yeah, this, this makes sense. And Mm -hmm. I remember taking it back home with me when I got to my agency saying to my Sergeant saying, Hey, we need to implement this. I'm so excited. Like this is, this is going to be really good telling other people about it. And I was worried because it's not your traditional cop discipline. Like it's right. not running and gunning and, you know, how do we interdict criminals? And it's no, it's focused on crime prevention as opposed to, you know, criminal apprehension. And that's why I liked it. I was like, this is a different way to go about the game. As I described it to people, I was like, Hey, you know, this may not be your thing, but they thought the exact same thing. It's like, you're playing mind games with criminals. Like it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And, and ever since I haven't been able to go past the parking lot, go past the business without, are, you know, critiquing whatever they have going on in their, in their center or whatever. And every single park I go to, I go, Oh, that water features should not be right there. It's just, it's crazy. (laughs) It changes your, your, the way you look at things. So um, Mm -hmm. for everyone wondering, what is SEPTED? Good question. And we always talk about this. How do you explain SEPTED in like five or 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. And since you've taken, you understand it's just so it's, it's easy and it's not complicated, but just laying down the format. So what SEPTED is, Best way to describe it is behavior modification through design. Uh, we look at the built environment, the social environment, and we come up with strategies or ideas to address that environment and make changes to it that influence positive human behavior. So we have some fundamental concepts of SEPTED, natural surveillance, natural access control, territorial reinforcement and maintenance. Everything is built off of those four strategies. Can I see what's taking place around me? So even just by saying that, think about can I see in the parking lot, can I see the other cars? Can I see the drivers? Can I see people approaching me in the park? Can I see where my kids are playing? Can I see the restrooms right down the road here a bit? Can I see who's approaching me? And then we get into natural access control. How do you enter the parking lot? How do you enter the park? How do you enter the building? How is it designed to funnel you into the space? And then we have territory reinforcement, which comes back to ownership, which comes back to fencing, public art, pavers, uh, again, landscaping to show that ownership. This is my territory. And the last one fits perfectly back with the broken window theory is maintenance. How do I maintain that site? And that comes back to graffiti. Uh, do my Does my lighting work? Am I maintaining my landscaping? Following the two foot, six foot rule for landscaping. 
being species specific on plants. And once we accomplish that on the site, we see the change in behavior. All of a sudden I can see who's approaching. Uh, fenders no longer have any place to stage or hide because we've addressed lighting in conjunction with that, good lighting. So we talk about that too. And we illuminate the space to the point where I can see what's taking place around me. Now your physical security professionals are getting involved now because they see the value of it. And we tie it into lighting. You know, again, what is the standard for lighting? And a lot of people can't really tell you this is exactly what I need. They said, we need light. What kind? What type? <laughs> what are we lighting up? Right. And uh, it, you, then it becomes that component where you tie in with your engineers and they start providing you those uh, amenities that you need to help light up the space. So we talk about lighting or traffic calming. So again, it's just piling all these together. Where do we place people? How do we program activity to encourage them to use the park, to park in the parking lot, to use the community center? So programs play an important part of that. And that feeling of this is my space. I, I live here because I want to, not because I have to. I visit this because I want to, not because it's my only choice. And then you create that sense of community. And then we transition out into so many other levels of, for example, placemaking, tactical urbanism, and all that blends into the point where you have designed a space that people want to be involved with. Right, right. And I think, you know, any cop listening to that goes, well, that doesn't really sound like a law enforcement <laughs> issue. And then I, but my, the, my rebuttal to that is it's very, it can very much be because who has a better grasp on what law, what crimes are being committed right. in a given area right. than the law, than the police, you know, you take that. So you take that information that you have, you know, that, you know, this park or this apartment complex has break-ins, it has violent crime, it has a lot of drug deals going on in the dark spots. Um, or, you know, there's, there's whatever, whatever case it may be. So you take that information, then, then you couple it with SEPTED knowledge. And now yeah. you start working to alleviate that as a hotspot. And before you know it, people are moving into that apartment complex. They start, you know, utilizing it a little bit. In my jurisdiction where I worked, um, I was tasked, once I got uh, I think once I passed basic, I was tasked with writing up a uh, septed plan for a Wawa. The Wawa was, uh, it was getting taxed with um, excessive user fees. They were calling 911 and the police for too much. They were getting fined um, because they just couldn't control their space. So I went through and I wrote a quick little septed analysis and I handed it in. And wouldn't you know, less than six months later, I'm walking into the store and where they would put all of their packages, you know, their, their cases of water or soda mm -hmm. or whatever, they weren't there anymore. And you could see into, into and out of the business with no issues. And I'm like, well, would you look at that? It works. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I don't know. A couple of the things obviously were brand specific. Like, you know, every single Wawa doesn't have a window door facing the, the rear parking lot or whatever it might be. So unfortunately it's up to the business if they want to change that in their model, but at least they had my suggestion. And if, you know, it doesn't, if they don't change it, that's not on me anymore. I told them that this is how, this was my recommendation. And I remember sitting in your class and wasn't there a, there was something in the regards of lighting. Wasn't there like a very violent crime or something where. Oh yes. We talk about one in Florida. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that one kind of stuck with me. I'm like, well, I told you that this is inadequate <laughs> and here's why. So it's, it's not mm. on me anymore. And right. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. You made you made the recommendations. I mean, that's exactly and that's the, the cool thing about septet practitioners is that you go out and you see these things that are very cost effective. You know, you can make the changes for in many cases, really nothing, just a little manpower or personnel mm -hmm. to go out and, and change it around. 
Then you start looking at your hours of operation. Then you start looking at how do you engage your employees. Then you create this sense of awareness that's occurring on the site. Bring that pride in, hey, I work here. This is a nice job. I enjoy being here. I meet some really nice people. And that practitioner, especially law enforcement, really opens that one-on-one where, oh my gosh, I made the changes that you recommended. And wow, business has gone up by like 15 or 20%. Right. And all those those negative actors that would have that would go to this space are no longer going there because they know that there is not, it's not uh, conducive to their business. You know, the drug dealer isn't going to hang out in that dark corner because it's not a dark corner anymore and they don't want to be where they can be seen. So they're going to move and that's going to make more normal users come into the space because they are, they feel safe and they want to engage in the business. Yeah. And we hear that a lot too, talking to different people when we're out in neighborhoods, for example, they, first thing they say is we have drug activity on the street. Uh, we notify the police, sheriff's office, they arrest them. They're back out in a day, which law enforcement has no control over that. So again, they come out, they call the police again. The person's arrested. They're on two days, call the police again. They're arrested, come out in five days. So we've learned we might not be able to change the offender, but what we can do is change the environment that supports the offender. So then I start looking at the street, the design, the lighting, traffic flow, we get into home ownership. We get into opportunities to create social fabric or social space for the site. And slowly we see the community take ownership. And every time that happens, we see fewer calls for police service and an overall reduction in crime. They just walk hand in hand once you apply these strategies. And the documentation is there. A lot of research being done. Different universities involved with it now. Corporate sector is using SEPTED, which is amazing when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Who's yeah. taking it? We'll talk about that too. But it just really opens everyone's eyes on the changes that can be made. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, My girlfriend and I, we just went to dinner in a brand new like downtown area. And it's brand new. I mean, there's one business right now in this strip, but you can see all the businesses coming up. And after dinner and I'm walking around and, and everything kind of calmed down, everything was closing. I was like, they use septet here. I'm like, I'm looking around, I'm looking at all the vegetation and the, the, the six foot sidewalks and everything. I'm like, they're using septet. And she goes, Oh God, here we go again. I'm like, no. And, and I get so excited about it. I'm like, no, there's no dark corners. Everything is lit. There's the, and I mean, you can see that in any, um, Amazon warehouses are very, seem to be, uh, mm-hmm. using it a lot. And you see those popping up all over all these major corporations or these big malls, you know, they're coming out and because everyone, no one's going to go to your mall or business if it's if they don't feel safe. It's just not going to happen. And then you're going to take this entire investment and just what are you going to do with it? You're losing money at this point and no one wants oh, to do that. Yeah. A lot of people will see the benefit, especially get into retail. Uh, you get into communities where they want to go and now use the park, which they never did before. Uh, use the community center, which before they were afraid to do that. Now they use the community pool, which before had been taken over by this negative component, which we turn that around. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is simple as maintenance or just keeping that landscaping. I always go back to that two foot, six foot rule, you know, low ground cover, not to say two feet in height, lower tree canopy, six foot in higher. And people just kind of scratch there. They go, well, I should have thought of that. It makes sense. And I'm like, yes, it makes sense. <laughs> right. It's just common sense. And just think about people and how you would want to visit the space yourself and to make the changes that help you feel comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the benefit of, Every police officer out here knows what it's like to be a member of the public. We all go to restaurants. We all go to parks. We all go to swimming pools. But now we also have that other factor where, well, we know what crime does. We know what attracts crime. So you take those two parts together and it it does. It sounds almost too easy or too simple. 
you know, but it's, I mean, unless it's put into your mind, people don't realize that you can do something about it. Right. And that's what I like about the training, uh, whether through the Florida attorney general's office or under the NICP, I think that Thursday and Friday, when, uh, participants go out in the field and conduct mm-hmm. the assessment themselves, and now they're interacting with each other and like, oh, I see it now. Oh, this is what we're talking about in class. Now we present it back to the class, mm-hmm. you know, again, for that graded component. And kind of you take it from the introduction to uh, you think about placemaking, you do site plan reviews, then you're applying it to the field, then you make changes to the built in that's already there. So it gives mm-hmm. you a really good perspective. Uh, of how we build things and how people interact. And I think that's super helpful, especially for law enforcement. Because like you said, a lot of police get into it. They're thinking, like you said, they're running gun thing and mm-hmm. you know, they want to do that. But I've had a lot of officers come in because we do a lot of the West Coast training. Mm-hmm. And from, for example, Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego. And they are like, this is so different. Uh, sheriff's officers now in uh, San Diego are using SEPTED uh, as a way to uh, combat human trafficking. Mm, because okay. now they're looking at the streets that were poorly illuminated, lots of uh, storefronts that were vacant. And this is where that crime was taking place. They said, let's change the environment, make it harder for this to occur. And again, move it out of the darkness into the light. And yeah. now people respond and see it. So we see SEPTID used across the board for all types of criminal activity or behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree completely. One of the biggest statistics you threw at me, and I can't remember the specific um, specifically, but I know you said that in certain parts of Detroit, SEPTED mm-hmm. caused crime to go down. And I was like, Detroit, Detroit has crime going down. <laughs> that actually happens. And to hear that it was affected by SEPTED, and I'm pretty sure you had a video that accompanied it to mm-hmm. kind of explain it. So it wasn't just like you were throwing a blind number at us. It was really nice to see. And that was one of the things that got me to buy into it. Like, okay, if Detroit, and I just think of all the massive cities right now that are having issues with the police, right? You know, all the oh defunding that went on. But this is totally different. This could be a fundamental change that incorporates police and law enforcement. um, But it's a different way to deal with things. Right. To bring it all together in in a way that encourages both sides to participate. You know, the police are empowering the residents. The residents are empowering the police. Hey, you're part of the community now. And that's what we've been trying to do for so many years. It was really strong during the early community policing, you know, problem-oriented mm-hmm. policing. So really strong. Some cities got away from that and they lost it. Right. And now we see a big push with it through SEPTED and there's value to that. You know, And I understand there's some good programs out there that law enforcement has, but to help individual homeowners to make changes to their home mm-hmm. and then to their block and then to their school. Oh my, and now you got that partnership again where let's call Jimmy from the police department again. Let's call Mayor from the police department again. They had those. And again, you are the person they go to. Right. And that's what community policing is all about. Yeah. And that's what we, I think we need. We don't need, let me, let me rephrase that. We need every aspect of law enforcement. We need to arrest the offenders, of course. But Mm -hmm. the important part for me, and you said it perfectly when you said, you know, when you've got. I think you said a drug dealer on the street and then you arrest him and he gets re-released. And so that, and my, my argument with that is that, well, why does he keep coming back to this block? Why is he coming back to this street corner? And that's what I'm saying. And I, I had made a post the other day and I said something to the effect of, well, that means your strategies are ineffective. And a lot of street cops got offended by it. Like, what are you saying? It's ineffective. I'm like, and then they started passing the blame to the politicians or the legislator oh, yeah. for changing the laws. And I get that. And I, I agree. 
that's fine. Like you said, we can't stop the offender. We can't, you know, change their behavior, but we can change where they conduct their business. Exactly. And I think that's, that's my, like, if I had to have a thesis statement for this conversation, that's what I want to say is like, let's work on changing their environment. Let's make them say that this is not where you want to do business. You know what I mean? Right. And and then we'll have some of the criminologists come back and say, well, you're displacing crime. And I'm like, well, yes and no. We might be displacing some crime, but as we displace that, and again, it's a very small amount, then we change that environment. But the, the backup plan though is we provide the social programs. So we're just not coming in and removing the homeless and throwing them somewhere else. Here's programs mm-hmm. under that side of SEPTED that will assist you in home ownership, that will assist you in healthcare and mental health. So it's not the police coming in and say, everybody in the paddy wagon in the van, you're <laughs> under arrest. No, now we have social services we're bringing in to help them. And that makes a big difference in the eyes of the public. So you're saying that through SEPTED, there's also social change. Yes. Can you explain that a little bit? Because police get called in because the police were the catch-all, deputies are the catch-all, you know, come in, fix the problem, go on to the next one. So now instead of the police come in and they have a list of services now that they can bring into a system and no more. So it's not our job. It's theirs. No, let me call them for you because they're part of our partnership, our accepted partnership. So again, they provide the services. Now we help someone find a home, what's going to be a tiny home or a subsidized house. But now we give them a place to live. The police were part of that. So now we've made a friend. So now, and then we do it person by person, corner by corner, block by block. But we have to provide the social component. Otherwise, it's just almost falls back on target harmony. Yeah. Now, we're changing the environment. We're making it harder for the offenders. But how do we engage offenders to try to change their behavior? And right. we don't do that sometimes. We leave it to the courts. Well, let's team up with social services. There was a study John, uh, done at uh, John Jay College up in New York. And what they found, they did a 25-year study on uh, nonprofits. And the question was, do nonprofits deter crime? And what they found that cities that are engaged with nonprofit and they started ranking the population, let's say 250,000 or more in population, what they found was as much as a 12% reduction in homicide and a 10% reduction in violent crime. Those cities that engage nonprofits as part of the services. Hmm. SEPT is about nonprofit. So again, when a chief or sheriff says, well, do we really need to engage nonprofits? Yes, here's the data, here's the numbers. It's one of the tools under the SEPTED program to engage the community. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And I agree. I think I think a lot of people, I think chiefs and sheriffs may get a bad rep because everyone's going to look at it from what are they doing to prevent um, to you know help the guys on the street, what they're doing with it. But when you get up to that level, when you get up to a chief or, you know, a, a captain, you know, right at the upper echelon of administration, they've got to work almost as a business owner. They are the manager of this entire business. So when you start providing facts and data, not just like, hey, chief, I think, I feel. No, when you start giving them hard numbers about why this will work, Mm -hmm. I think that then you're more likely to change their opinion. But I remember sitting in the SEPTED classes and I took basic and advanced and going, this is great, but how do I get my city to sign off on this? Like, you know, I'm I'm literally just one little worker ant going through, how, how do I make this work? How, so- I'm sure people are wondering, how do they make it work? That's a good point. I mean, starting with what I did with Tampa, I'd like to go back to that just a little bit. Yeah. I took the class again, and I was just amazed because I'd taken a lot of training in the past in Texas and in Florida, and this just made so much sense. So I began talking to staff about it. I was just a, 
I don't want to say lowly beat officer, but I was just a beat officer walking a post, get in the car. And to mention it, they're like, well, no, your job is to go out because you're in the entertainment district. You know, you make the arrests, you respond to the fights. But as I kept introducing and introducing, I had some people shoot it down, captains of high rank. And then we, I had a major come in that said, why aren't we doing more of this? I'm like, well, because it's been shot down every time. And he's like, oh my gosh, we need to be doing SEPTED. And then create the meeting, then meeting with city planning, you know, introductions slowly mm -hmm. at, at first. I, I heard, I will mention where he's from, uh, another officer. He's out on the East Coast of Florida. He said, you know, when I walk into the city planning, uh, planning division, when they see me walk in, everybody runs away because <laughs> they know I'm there for change. And I'm like, buddy, with that kind of attitude, I'd run away too if you came in that way uh -huh, with me. Yeah. I said, where's the, hey, how are you today? What can we do? Let's make a difference. And, and that's what really makes it work. You need to find those champions, especially in the beginning to mend those bridges. Because a lot of times working with government, especially you go from the law enforcement side to engineers or lighting engineers, uh, it, it's always been, I don't want to say adversarial, but you need to make the changes. Well, we can't do it. We'll find the money. And now we, we've kind of gotten through that to where hey, what can we do together? We're, we're part of the team. And that's what we did in Tampa under the program. City planning got involved, city engineers, housing, uh, our city park designers involved, creating the master plans for that. But it just took that one class, just like we talked about. Mm -hmm. And then having the vision to go in and introduce and not give up. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Fortunately, now we have more data, more research, more programs, more corporations. But I, I always recommend, to, especially on the law enforcement side, don't give up. I mean, once right. you introduce it, just keep going. And, and now join the associations, the networks. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of stuff we can share in the universities too. We'll talk about that a little bit if we can, but yeah, the university yeah. involved with SEPTED now. That's great. Yeah. When you mentioned that you were a part of Ybor City, I was like, oof, like that's, you know, that's, that's the party <laughs> district that's got a, you know, that's got a reputation in around Southwest Florida. I mean, that's just the spot. And that was where I worked on the East side of Florida. I was part, my zone for most of my years was in the party district was in the bar district oh, my God. and and i remember right as i was leaving that agency the city because i because i was you know officer friendly i would always get to work the security detail for the city commission meetings and i would always hear the city commissioners and the the citizens that would come to these meetings say there's too much crime in the bar district it's too violent it's too the and i'm just sitting there going septed 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 <laughs> and i'm just you know and to hear that you know, Ebor City kind of inspired you to, or you had that relationship with it. I I feel very similarly uh, to where I was. I mean, now where I'm working, not so much. They don't really have a bar district, <laughs> but they do have these areas that are, you know, even driving around with police officers, they go, "Oof, that's that's a rough area. We don't we don't like going there." And I was like, "Okay, well, why? I mean, this is your city, and you're a police officer." Yeah. And you could, uh, when you take a look at Yibor, we did, uh, I just have a while back with city of Portland, Oregon in their entertainment district. And what we do is we start, first thing we start looking at is the zoning. Why are we zoned for so many bars here? Mm -hmm. Why does zoning allow that? And then we start addressing that. Can we look at commercial? Can we look at retail? What other incentives do we have? And that's going to be your programs to engage a business owner to maybe start that small mom and pop store there. Mm -hmm. and, and again, but we have to offer, those amenities or those types of uh, incentives to engage them. And that's where law enforcement comes in with city planning. Hey, look, if we do bars, here's all the calls for service. Here's what happened. Here's what it's costing us. If we do this instead under zoning, which you do because you're city planning, then that drops the calls for service, saves the money. We can offer more incentives or loans or options to help revitalize the space. 
So again, it's just that each one of us working together. Sure, sure. So um, I know we kind of touched on the um, like the pillars of SEP ten. Let's kind of go a little bit deeper into it. I know you know okay. you, you teach more uh, or you teach obviously completely in depth, but and I don't want to take away from that. Um, but let's mm-hmm. kind of explain to the listeners um, what the different aspects of SEP ten are. Um, okay. You know, and kind of from there. Okay. Well, under SEP ten, we start. Look, we got our four anchor strategies: stats, surveillance, access control, and then we look at supporting strategies. For example, we look at uh, wayfinding. You know, how to help people find their way through the district, through the neighborhood, through the school, through the park, through the airport. Uh, other strategies we look at is pedestrian scale. You know, if I'm helping with wayfinding, is my signage at pedestrian scale? Is my uh, lighting at pedestrian scale? Lighting for human beings or pedestrian activity? Uh, same with landscaping. Uh, again, does that follow my strategies? Are we species specific? So maintenance, we save money on that. So working with our landscape architect. Uh, one of the fun ones you get into now is public art in Septet. Mm. You know, how can I use that as a way to revitalize the community? As we have the teams doing the assessments, we also ask them to engage, uh, for example, a boys and girls club if they're doing that assessment. Well, let's bring in basketball, basketball, basketball. We're like, hang on. So we bring in all the kids that play basketball. What about the other kids that don't play basketball that are into theater, music, dance, chess club, STEM? Mm. I said, so here's all these programs to engage every kid and create a community hub. Mm-hmm. And that hub, people start to come in, take ownership. Then you see that transitioning from the hub, which again, this is our space. Then let's move a block out. Let's change it. Let's reach out to the city now for services from code enforcement. Mm-hmm. And let's start working on these as well. Except uh, we get into lighting. I'm very fortunate. I was asked this year to serve on, or last year, to serve on the IES Security Lighting Committee. So now we're working with lighting engineers from around the country to set that or try to come up with a perfect lighting standard for cities to follow, mm-hmm. which gives you just enough light so you can see what's going on, provide the light for your camera system, but doesn't impact the night sky. So now we're working with Dark Skies International as part of that as well to find that common ground. And that's all Septed too. Yeah. So and and working with the lighting, I think we get a kick out of this too. We're having this discussion on a on a uh, webinar. Mm-hmm. with lighting people around the world. And they go, well, we want to see the stars. We want to see the moon. We want to see Saturn. And I finally just stopped and said, hey, look, if I'm living in a high crime neighborhood, I don't care if I can see Saturn <laughs> or not. I don't want people breaking into my house. So right. again, it's, but we didn't have that common ground before. Yeah. So yeah. now they understand the crime and hopefully see the big picture. Yeah, it's nice to see Saturn, but I also want to see who's going to try to come down the alleyway, mm-hmm. who's approaching my neighbor's house. But we didn't have that that communication before. So it's kind of nice to open those doors. Sure. Uh, Septet again, we, we go into the uh, zoning code, design standards, uh, building setbacks, building orientation, how many windows on a building as part of the code. We get into the interior design or we call workstation orientation. How do I zone the space to maximize surveillance outward? At a school, where do I put the common areas for kids to come together to maximize surveillance? Where do I put the kids in the tot lot? Park design, where do I put the restrooms? How do I allow access to that? So SEPTED follows so many of these strategies of a positive negative activity generators. Mm-hmm, Drugs mm-hmm. are a negative activity generator. Uh, a nice uh, common area that we share with kids is a positive activity generator. So we identify those and make recommendations to correct those or add those too. So it's just all these layers yeah. that we put into it. And, and the class, we try to do as much as we can. And there's so many people that come up with great ideas when yeah. you're in the class. And, you and I sit there listening like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that? 
Mm-hmm. But you brought a, break, a different background in, a different perspective on what you've seen. Absolutely. And that's why I like the workshops that you have in the class, because, you know, it's one thing to have death by PowerPoint and just say, hey, these are the concepts <laughs> and these are the theories. But once you start, first off, it, where I when I took it, I had people from Tampa. I had people from Hillsborough County, uh, Southwest Florida, South Florida, people I've never met and, and so on bringing in those different backgrounds. So as we work together on our, on our different workshops, it brought that in. And then when you give the presentation at the very end, again, you, you learn different things and it was amazing. The networking that went into it. When I did my Wawa um, analysis, I, I reached out to the people that were in my group saying, Hey, what, you know, this is what I got. You know, what would you recommend? And it's just amazing. And like you said, bringing in those different backgrounds those different perspectives, absolutely amazing. And mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. I think it's it's such an untapped or undertapped uh, resource in Septed um, that people really need to under you know take advantage of. Yeah, and what we see in Florida too is that, and again, I'm not saying it's all police, but under the AG's training, about ninety percent, eighty five percent are law enforcement, and mm-hmm. I understand they see Attorney General's training. Uh, but what we see now, before it used to be a hundred percent, now we're down to maybe eighty five. So we're starting to see more urban designers. Yeah. Uh, we're starting to see more architects coming in, which we never saw before. And that's kudos to the cities and the counties that are actually codifying it based off of law enforcement, taking the class and saying, here's the standards we need. And if we set that as a standard, now architects, planners, engineers have to understand the concepts too, which was started by law enforcement, which in turn engages them to be part of that whole SEPTED network. Mm-hmm. Where did the whole idea of SEPTED start? Where did it come from? Was it from law enforcement? No, I, I you know, I, yes, it was police. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't police. <laughs> I wish we could say that. Uh, started in 1971 at Florida State University, a criminologist by the name of C. Ray Jeffries. You know, his, his, his thought process was the way to address crime is to design the total environment. So, what is the total environment when we're looking at crime? Housing, that's part of it. Uh, how do I paint my building? That's part of it as well. How many windows? Yep, that's in there too. So criminologists now started to look at that. It wasn't getting to the police at the time. Mm-hmm. This was maybe upper level law enforcement, 1971, 1973. I think I started police work in 77. So it was right around that time. The FBI got a little bit involved with it under convenience stores here in Florida, Mm -hmm. in Alachua County in Gainesville. And then all of a sudden we had an introduction of Tim Crow, who came in in about the 90s, 91. He actually taught me SEPTED. And he's the one that I I refer to him as the uh, the door-to-door salesman of SEPTED. Mm -hmm. He was at University of Louisville. And he was pretty much going to city council meetings, knocking on doors. We got to do SEPTED. We got to do SEPTED. And he slowly began... promoting this to people in the field. Mm -hmm. So this was no longer upper management. This was the people answering the calls. These were the people that were on the street every day. And now they're seeing it and they're like, wow, why can't we do this? And that was about 92, 93. Now we're at 20, uh, we're we're like way down the road and we're just really starting now to codify it. So the buy-in, like you said, at the time, a lot of that run and gun, people Mm -hmm. in jail, write tickets, Oh, this side of it? No, no. This is what we do long Right, term. right. So just nice to see that change back then and yeah. slowly see it pick up. Absolutely. And and not to and, and I think I said it before, but not to say that putting people in jail, writing tickets isn't necessary. Obviously, that's part of the job, oh, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. But I think it just 
gives you so many more options. And hopefully, you know, Robert Peel said that the idea or the sign of effective police work is an absence of crime. So why not take this as an opportunity to try something that maybe you haven't thought of before? Right. I was doing a a series. They had the uh, Parkland Commission. I was presenting to them at part of the SEPTAD. And it's funny, I heard a comment and I was talking about SEPTAD, 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 how to apply it in schools and how to make it work. A lot of the parents there were there from uh, the, the shooting incident. And they said, can you do a SEPTED thing of our school? Because this just makes so much sense. I actually had someone there who was law enforcement. He was an upper ranking, uh, upper level law enforcement. And he goes, well, SEPTED is a good thing. It's just too expensive. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. SEPTED is the most cost effective tool in combating crime. Mm-hmm. The most cost effective. What you're talking about is going to cost us millions. When you think about all the things they want to apply, let's just go back to the fundamentals of good design. Let's work with the architects, take the training law enforcement has, for example, in active shooter scenarios or situations, and address that through good design and codify that. Those 90-degree corners, yep. the classroom design, the window placement, the lobby, the parking. Police know we drill there constantly. So why not team over the architects where we have these issues as you go into to practice or drill or have an incident? and change them in the future and then start addressing what's already there now. Sure, sure. And so I was going to ask that when you when you have a, a, a structure that already exists, a school, you know, a school has been there for 30 some years. So you've got these hard 90 degree corners. You've had you have entrances into classrooms that are super tight. So you, you do an analysis, you present it to whoever they have. Are they just going to say, oh, well, we're not going to rebuild the school. Have a nice day. Or do you kind of give them an idea of how to work with the space they have? Yes, that's exactly what we do. And again, I, I don't like to get into too much physical security because that's not what SEPTED is. Mm-hmm. SEPTED supports it. You know, we, we complement each other. Uh, my idea is to do good design first. Uh, if I can't change the physical, I change the social. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I try to address. You know, I cannot change the building, but I can change the activity that occurs in the building. So that's at least one way I try to address it. If I cannot do either one of those, then I reach out to that security professional and say, hey, look, I need some help with camera systems. I need some help with some target hardening because I'm trying to get SEPTED in and it's not fitting at every part of the building. So Mm. let's partner up and let's see what changes we can make. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. And I think when you're talking about, you know, the upper upper level law enforcement that was saying, oh, that's too expensive, it's going to cost us too much. Is it though? Is it really? Because everything that we've, we talk about and we suggest, it's usually, if anything, you know, change a few light bulbs, you know, you have a window here, but it's too cluttered. Let's unclutter that window. And, you know, let's put uh, a receptionist here. Like you said, social control. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to, I don't really see much of a price tag on it at all. It sounds like it's things that are almost natural. If anything, it's it's taking away some things that probably were too expensive in the first place. Right. And I, I work with a lot of architects now, and a lot of them want to make the change. They want the input from the police. Hey, and they'll tell you, I've never been in an active shooter scenario. I don't know what to look for. I'm basing the design of the school based off what the school board presented to us. What's your feedback? What do you think about these corners? What do you mm. think about these these uh, walls that extend out two feet from the base? So again, they want your input, but there's just no way to, to get that every time unless you have a SEPTED program. Sure and, sure. and that's where we fall short and where management needs to see the value and say, who are our officers? Who's going to be working on this? Who are we going to get trained to go out and meet with the group and make these recommendations? Because if we don't fix it now, 
you know, you've seen this, you're, that mm-hmm. we're going to keep coming back over and over and over. Sure, sure. One of the uh, fun things that we did in class was uh, redesigning that neighborhood. There was a, a neighborhood and we redesigned it. And I, I remember doing it and I was thinking of this one neighborhood that we had in my old agency that everyone from the moment you start it knows that this is the neighborhood that you're going to get a lot of calls from. That's just yeah. its reputation. And I was like, what if, what if we could get to the city planners and someone within um, whatever agency is over that and mm-hmm. talk about how we can re- revamp this whole system. And, you know, it, again, it comes back to that ownership of the space that you were talking about. And it's, I don't know. I wish more people understood that. Yeah. And, and the, the, the negative side we have of that is because if we do, and, and I get this from a lot of community activists is that if we do renovate the property, then the rents go up, then it's not affordable anymore. So this is where city council needs to come in and, and really make a stand. It's not all about the dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, someone's going to have to cover that somehow. So if we make it so unaffordable that we force people back into subsidized housing or poor housing, then again, we're still going to be answering the calls for service because we're not providing the tools or resources the community needs. Uh, by, imp- by including affordable housing or the opportunity to be a homeowner, which Cities are starting to do now, and we go back to that class, we talk about the design charrette. Do we go with income tiered rent, or do we allow you an option if you want to buy a house instead of raising your rent, it goes into a a mutual fund or a savings account, so you can save that, help you get ahead and buy a house. Mm -hmm. But that means we have to change some of the rules based off of what we have learned by answering calls for service there. Yep. And then you engage social programs, like you said, and suddenly you have a whole community that may not have ever thought of home ownership. And now, you know, what if, what if one of your social programs within this community is, you know, a guide to home ownership or a guide to savings or something like that. That is, that, that is right in there. Yeah. That is right in there. And, and I mean, I think you could really have these, these neighborhoods and I think everybody who works in some kind of inner city can, can picture what I'm talking about. You have these neighborhoods that you're there every night for disturbances or burglaries or whatever. You start engaging these different things and suddenly what happens? I mean, it, it, I think the possibilities are endless when you really start applying oh, the I principles. Agree. I was in Newark and we're doing a series of workshops in Newark. And if you think about crime in Newark, a lot of yeah. groups came in and a lot of discussion was once you become a homeowner, you can never go back to the way it was before, mm-hmm. but it's just allowing that opportunity to be a homeowner. Not everyone's going to go out and buy an $800,000 house. Again, I'm looking at that entry level home teaming up with the banks to provide those loans or the training, how to do that real estate agents that are in touch with the community. And again, here's what the community needs. So, and the police can be right on that level, you know, as part of the team that provides that information and resources Mm -hmm. and and become the the group that can say, Hey, we're we're getting it this way. Fewer calls for service again, and a decrease in crime. Right. And can you just imagine the, the positive public relations that would come when you have this neighborhood that was revitalized and you've got, talk about community leaders in there. You've got someone from the community, you've got someone from the bank, you've got someone from this, and then you've got the police department right there with them. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that is a happy utopia we're talking about right now. Yeah, and everyone's on the same field. And just like in the class, we go, uh, what are your 15 design? What are your 10 social? What are your five police initiatives mm-hmm. that law enforcement brings in? And so it puts it puts the police on the spot. It also puts the architects 
what do the police do? Well, what programs do you have? I didn't know you did those programs. So again, that little group of five or six, all of a sudden they start talking. And then I, I just get excited because next thing I know, the police are working with the architects. Hey, can you come and work with us on a project? Sure, I'll be there. Right, Let me help right. you with that. And it's just a fun partnership. And it it, it is. And you, you think of like the police are helping out architects. And it, I mean, it's it's a great idea. I think it's absolutely great. And then you talk about community ownership the police then feel like they've they own it because they've they've contributed to it and mm -hmm. that's going to make them want to continue to like patrol a little bit extra and whatever and before you know it maybe like you said you don't want to target hard and so then the police don't have to be there as much because there's not as many calls for service right and then how does that tie into recruiting so again now kids in the neighborhood see the police in a different light i want to be a police officer i want to be a deputy what they did to help it was so neat. And again, it's just so many contacts you mm -hmm. can make there and really establish that, that foundation for a community. Yeah. I think uh, SEPTA is really great. And I think with, uh, with regards to the, the community policing aspect of it, because it, it literally is the police within the community affecting change. And I think it's great. Mm -hmm. It's, it's much more than just, you know, your typical community policing of coffee with a cop or, you know, rookies with cookies yeah. or whatever it is. This is, this is an actual change. This is actually something that has uh, some substance behind it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Long-term. And, and not only do you see the, the uh, city's doing it, now we see the corporation doing it. And I, it kind of surprises people when I tell them, I say, well, who's involved with Septet? Well, Google, Amazon, Glock, uh, Disney just started sending a few of their people mm, with SEPTED okay. training. So we see that. We see the Church of Latter-day Saints out of uh, Salt Lake are sending all their staff in for training. Uh, the FAA just mandated this out of D.C. for mm. all their staff to take training. Uh, DHS just listed this in their report for standards in 2017. Uh, they're trying to decide if this should be a competency level for all security specialists in the federal government. And they said, yes, this is going to be a standard now for DHS as far as community or uh, security specialists within the federal government. That's great. So it has really started to uh, to grow. Uh, yeah. We see the military now taking SEPTED. Uh, who, uh, TSA is now taking SEPTED as mm -hmm. part of it. So they're slowly coming into it as That's well. That's great. And you said something about universities are, are signing a board on it as well. Yeah. We just did a series with uh, Michigan State not too long ago. We're right now working on a DO. They're working on a DOG proposal for Detroit with us as, as the uh, – providers. But now we've just teamed up with University of South Florida here in Tampa. And I'm excited about that one because that's been in the works for a while. So through the criminology department, uh, they're looking at creating a, uh, a master's program in uh, crime prevention as okay. part of that. Uh, we're trying to create a septic component attached to that. Now we serve on uh, two committees with USF. We're going to hold our first United States septic conference at the University of South Florida. They're going to mm. be one of the sponsors of that as well. So they see the value and it just did from here's an introduction to septed here's a one hour presentation they're like whoa this mm -hmm. why are we doing more and we just did a workshop uh three weeks ago where the business bureau came in business group engineers uh, part of a little session we did and they're like why are we doing this in our school why are we doing this in the engineering school so again they, they want to sort of but they had no idea yeah they yeah. had no idea it's like the best kept secret in the world of crime prevention and, and security management it's like it's so simple what and and these these massive entities these universities and everything they didn't know about it now they do and just now like you said they're starting to really start to incorporate it all 
Mm-hmm. And, and so far reaching, I go back to public art because I'm a big fan of public art. But I did a, a session for uh, ACES or ASIS mm-hmm. and the Atlanta conference. And I uh, using public art as part of your corporate security strategy. And we did the presentation for me. It was, it was pretty well attended. According to them, it was well attended. And I had someone send me a, a notice. You know, after doing it, they said, thank you for making physical security sexy again. Mm. By including public art as one of the strategies instead of just target harding, target harding, target harding. Right. So they were like, we're going to start including public art as one of our strategies for physical security. I was like, wow, that is great. That's why we do the presentation. Sure, sure. Because I feel like if you target harden enough, you start feeling like you're in a police state. You know, you, you just got mm-hmm. barbed wire and high pointy fences and everything. But then if you start incorporating like a public art, like you said, and we go back to community engagement, you start going to these different you know, neighborhoods or these different community centers, which maybe you had an art program within that community center that you've already kind of revitalized through SEPTED. And then Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, iron sharpens iron. Like all these things are just incorporating together. Suddenly, could you imagine if you have an artist who maybe was a child in this uh, community center and there, you had a art program within it. And then suddenly they're doing a public art I don't know, contest or whatever it is for that. And now this one child who found a love for art within this community center is now designing a mural that's going to be on this public space for the entire community to see. Like it it could just keep going and going and going. And I think that would be, I, I think that would probably be the end goal. Like that's, that's beautiful. I think. Yeah. And to see cities embracing now, we did a workshop for the Indianapolis art council and what they did, they brought in local artists and we had done workshops in the past for Indianapolis PD. And so they brought in some of the officers along with the artists. And we did the, the series of workshops with them so the police could be engaged in how the artists apply mm. uh, public art to sites from fence design to murals to all kinds. And it was fun to see the police interacting with them on these small groups. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, we would have never done this if it wasn't for Septent. So it's just kind of fun to see that. It is. And it, to, to stay on public art for just a second, I've when I took advanced subted and, and public art was part of the curriculum with it, I never would have thought about public art on um, light boxes, like the, the transformer <laughs> yeah. boxes and, and the different things that they do. And then I, it opened my eyes, though, because then I was seeing it within the city that I lived in. And I was like, oh, wow, I never even noticed that there was a mural on this on this box. I always just like assumed it was there you know until you don't see it and then it's like <laughs> it's so much nicer than the graffiti and and you you've you talk about how that deters graffiti by having mm. art already there because basically an artist is going to respect the artist that's already there oh exactly and, and it's, it's so cost it's so cost affordable to do it so many opportunities for what we call placemaking uh, again especially done by local artists which is so important to that whole mm-hmm. side of the program local artists create community so I can hire an artist from New York to come down, but if I can hire an artist from here in Tampa to do the artwork in Tampa, oh, he lived where? He went to what school? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I know his family. So again, it just brings that feeling of community there. Sure. And that's so it goes back to that community policing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think when when you talk about public art and in, in Southwest Florida, I think of like St. Pete, the downtown St. Pete area oh is covered God. in murals and it's all just great. And I had no issue when I go down there, there's a, a nice little um, coffee shop that I go to and, you know, we walk the streets. There's absolutely no issues there. You know, it just feels 
great and homey and just you forget you're in St. Pete for a second. Yeah, I love St. Pete. Their mural program, they're one of the top in the state. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of it. And uh, me and my wife, we uh, go over there quite a bit. And we have Tampa, mm-hmm. but something about St. Pete and downtown, it's just so walkable and so yeah. many little mom and pop shops. What you want to see, what you want to see. Exactly. St. Pete is a lot of sub 10. Yeah. You know, they've been involved for some time in it. So you said that um, while you were at Tampa or in Tampa, you had, they started a full septed unit. I mean, that, that sound to me, that's, that's almost mind blowing to think that they would do that. <laughs> how, how did that come to be? It started off again. We, you got to think back to when we started 9-11 happened. There's a mm. lot of stuff going on. Uh, a lot of crime prevention personnel were being pulled in to work on physical security. But as we began to make the changes, we, we started envisioning this as long-term. You know, we can go in and band-aid it, band-aid it, band-aid it, band-aid it, uh, but it's not long-term. So as I talked to the chief at the time, and again, very progressive, under we switch over to community affairs, and they said, we need to make this just standard. And then holding uh, a luncheon with city planning, again, with the police department sponsors, say, come in, we want to talk to you about what we're doing or want to do. Some of the young planners were like, oh, I studied that in school. Mm. A lot of them were coming out of University of Florida at the time, School of Urban Design, was really pushing septet all over the world. And so they said, let's start doing it here. And that was the connection we we needed. A lot of younger planners coming in, a lot of young architects coming in. Then the older architects were like, whoa, okay, we see the value in this too. And it just started from that point. And the city was so committed that we had, first it was me, then it was two officers, then it was three officers. And that's all we did. Site plan reviews, sure compliance with the code. We still work special details. Mm. We still got called for Gasparilla and Guava Ween and go down <laughs> to your uniform, go out and work those. But at least we knew a lot of the residents that were there just based off the septet. And it's there even today because zoning, we have to conduct a review. It's required by zoning. Mm. And so the police department conducts reviews of those. So it's just the program keeps going sustainable long-term, which we all want to see. Absolutely. And, you know, the... The end result, obviously, uh, it's hard to and I, I, t- I had an interview last night and we talked about it. It's hard to quantify the crime that doesn't happen. Right. right. So that's that's the only caveat when you are really good at your job is how to see how much that you prevent. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. But, you you know, obviously you can just look at the numbers and when you start seeing crime dipping, you know, when you look at yearly projections and things like that, that obviously is a good way to to show it. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect way. And for partnerships too, again, we're, we're getting this whole, everybody involved with SEPTED now. Uh, we have we do have the Florida Design and Crime Association uh, here in Florida, which is made up of SEPTED practitioners. The current chair is an architect and some we had a law enforcement. And now we also have the U.S. SEPTED Association. Mm. Yep, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, we just kicked that off about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Uh, we're holding our first uh, webinar Mm. Uh, to engage a lot, what we're going to do, what we want to accomplish. We have a current list of directors, which is a real mixture of uh, planners, park designers, architects, physical security, law enforcement, corporate security. So we have brought a real mixture. Mm-hmm. So that way everyone has some input university. We've got University of Utah present on this one, one of their members that's involved with SEPTED. So again, because we have the Florida one, got a great group in Florida. Uh, so now it's just leaving Florida and bringing everyone together on the That's great. So if someone is listening to this and they're like, wow, this sounds really interesting. How do they go about getting involved with learning about SEPTED? What are, what are some ways they can figure that out? Some of the ways they can do besides Googling it, but if you want the training, the actual training, if you're in Florida, I'm always going to recommend the Florida attorney general's office, uh, FC Florida crime Prince and training Institute or FCPTI.com. 
uh, I'll do it for fcpti.com. Go to their site. You'll see SEPTA training listed through the AG's office, and they offer a designation. If you're out of state, uh, we have the NICP, National Institute of Crime Prevention. We've done training now in 47 states. Uh, the training we do is certified posts, for example, in California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, Arizona. So we took the training we completed in Florida outside. So this is standard across the board. So no matter what state you're in, if you're taking NICP training, that's post, again, it just follows you wherever you go in the U.S. Uh, so that's going to be septedtraining.net. Take a look at that one. Also, U.S. Design on Crime, uh, U.S. I'm sorry, U.S. Septed Network, USCPTED.com. And then Florida Design on Crime, FLDOCA.com. Okay. Those are the big ones to go to. Great. And then once you get your foot in the door, once you take basic, once you get advanced, maybe once you get the practitioner designation like I have, where do you, where can you go from there? How do you take the designation or just the training and start applying it immediately? What we found now, for example, if you want to go to work at Amazon, Amazon now has listed on their site requirements for SEP10. You know, I've had a lot of practitioners that have applied for at Amazon and gotten the job based mm-hmm. off of their SEP10 designation. Different architectural firms that are bidding on projects, they don't have a SEPTED person on staff. Hey, who's available? Who can we hire as part of this? Again, it's just that network. And this is where the U.S. SEPTED Association is going to help with that. Uh, the NICP, we also have a list of uh, SEPTED designation or professionals that are out there. So if a firm calls us, I need someone to do SEPTED in Arkansas. Well, here's a list of practitioners in Arkansas that are certified that you can hire or work on the project with you. So we get constantly emails and calls for those services. Uh, school districts are constantly uh, looking at SEPTED professionals to get involved. Virginia just mandated this by state statute, SEPTED in school design. So a lot of the architects aren't versed in that. Who do we hire? So again, they're looking for SEPTED prof- professionals as well. So private sector security, uh, park design, park planning, again, working at that. Schools, corporations. Uh, we talk about Google, Amazon. You got Glock. Uh, American Airlines sent their staff in for training mm-hmm. as well. Denny's, uh, McDonald's, Starbucks. So again, we just see it. It's just trying to figure out where to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the jobs mm-hmm. are out there. And, and again, and as this progresses further and further, I think it's going to be a standard yeah. that, hey, are you certified in SEPTED? Well, okay, now we can look at your resume. Yeah, that's great. If um, if someone wanted to reach out to you specifically and ask you some questions, is there a way someone can reach you? Oh, yeah. You can go through uh, a at septetraining.net, just A-H-U-S-H-E-N at C-P-T-E-D training.net. That's the best way to reach me through the company. Uh, I also have uh, art at um, usseptet.com. So just A-R-T at usseptet.com. That's another way they can get a hold of me as well. But those are the two main ones for us is that they can reach us. Great, great. Any questions, guys? Filter it to Art. He will answer, <laughs> answer them and hopefully get you hey, guys set up. Hey, you're pretty good at it too. So no, they can give you a call sometimes. <laughs> yeah, also, so. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, so Art, we're we're about to wrap up the interview portion of today's conversation. But before we transition, I got I got something else for you. Uh, is there anything else you want to add that we may not have touched yet um, about SEPTED or people that are interested in learning about SEPTED? Just uh, knowledge and learning. That's what it's all about. And just like you and me, when we first were introduced to SEPTED, it was wow. Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of people out there in the design community also that don't even know what SEPTED is. Yeah. So I, I mean, it is, it was literally a switch of a light. It was, it was like, I remember sitting in that and it was, <laughs> why didn't I think of this before? This was great. And it's, it's just different. And I think that's the thing that I liked most about it was it wasn't the same 
training that I've ever experienced. It was something different, but it's still, and there were some times where I'm like, why am I a cop sitting in this class? But it was, <laughs> it was, it, it made a difference. It definitely did. So Art, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to play a, a quick game and then we're going to get out of here. All right. Okay. All right. Don't everyone listening, break. we'll be right back. Did you know that in the years 2017 to 2018, the American obesity rate was over 42%? Did you further know that police officers are 25% more likely than the average American to die from obesity-related illnesses? These are diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and high blood pressure. So what do we do? Do we continue to stay victims to shift work and terrible nutrition options while going call to call? Or do we do something about it? Well, I decided to do something about it, and that's why I started working with Nick Wall Nutrition. Nick is one of less than 100 professional nutritionists in the entire United Kingdom and has worked with many professional athletes from soccer, rugby, cricket, and even Team Great Britain. And all of his plans are backed by pure scientific evidence. Eating the foods you love and losing weight doing it. No fad diets, no pills, no powders, and no god-awful detox teas. Nick is the real deal and was named Nutrition Specialist of the Year for the year 2019 to 2020. Check him out on Instagram at NickWallNutrition or NickWallNutrition.com and join Nick's team and change your life. All right, we're back and we are going to play Signal 3 with Art Hutchin once again. Oh Thank you so much for your, your help today. I, I think this is great. I, hopefully everybody's interested and they're going to start blowing up your email and start asking for, <laughs> for different advice. So thanks again for this. Thank right. you. Absolutely. So here we go. Signal 3. So we started with uh, overrated, underrated. I'll give you something and you tell me if it's overrated, if it's underrated, or if it's accurately rated. Here we go. Uh, night shift. Oh, my God. It's underrated. No, I was going to say night shift. You got to fill it. You got to do it. Uh, people don't realize the to stay awake some nights at three thirty four in the morning and stay focused. Oh mm. my god, it just <laughs> it's underrated. Absolutely. What about the Crown Victoria? Oh my gosh, I'm going to go underrated again. I mm. love that car. I drove that car. I think we should still have them today, but that's just my opinion. That's my opinion. Right, right. I'm, I'm waiting for the day. The moment that Ford announces that they're going to have the 2023 Crown Victoria, they're going to, oh. you want to talk about their stock going up. It's going to be under the roof. Um, what about s'mores? Overrated. Okay. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I, I mean, I like all the components of s'mores, but something about I do. them together, I just... But just you got you got to like eat it, and all of a sudden it's like dripping. All it's like, oh my god, how do I get this off me? Can I just have the chocolate separate? <laughs> I agree. Yep. Uh, what about working overtime or off duty jobs? Oh my gosh, uh, that's a good one. Uh, oh man, I don't have any. If I'm broke, it's underrated. <laughs> if, I, <laughs> if I need more money, it's underrated. If I'm doing okay, it's overrated. I, I don't want to work off duty if I don't have to. Yep, I agree. Um, going to see a movie. It. Now it's today, I would say it's overrated, mm -hmm. you know, because of COVID and everything that's happening now. And just, I got so used to staying at home and watching movies, picking up a new TV set a little bigger. Mm -hmm. Now I have no one kicking my seat. Now I can get up and go when I need to. Yeah, you got the right back. screen. It's perfect. But yeah. I, I used to love going to the movies. Love it. But now it's kind of like, oh, I'll just stay home. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right. So this next section is going to be this or that. I'll give you something and you tell me this or that. Uh, dogs or cats? Dogs. Burgers or tacos? Oh, tacos by far. Love what, tacos. What kind of tacos is your favorite? That's my South Tech. I love breakfast tacos, breakfast burritos, mm, eggs okay. and bacon, potatoes, salsa. Oh, I make breakfast tacos. So that's my favorite. 
Nice, nice. That's different. Okay. Let's see. Would you rather work patrol or specialized units? Patrol. Okay. I love patrol. Were you always assigned to the Ybor City area? I was assigned to patrol. I patrol that district. And then I was part of the group that created the Septet Foot Patrol for the evening shift. Oh, okay. And so me and another officer were the first ones assigned since the 60s to work foot patrol in Ybor City during the uh, the night shift. Oh, okay. So we kind okay. of brought it back. So anybody listening from Tampa that's working the foot patrol on <laughs> at Ybor City, this is the guy that you can blame right here, this guy. <laughs> okay, and uh, the last one for this or that, would you rather ride in the train, dance in the rain, or feel no pain? <sighs> Something about riding a train. Okay. Uh, just that movement, just seeing the stuff coming by you, just that whole, the sound, you know, that that's, I, I, I like that. Okay. Sounds great. I like that. All right. So here are the, the signal three questions. These are the ones that are open-ended. Tell me what you think. Don't think about it too hard. We've got, what is your dream vacation destination? Somewhere in Wyoming, anywhere in Wyoming to go to mountains, cabins, stream in the front, maybe a little snow. That's perfect. Okay. I like that. What is something that you love that everyone hates? John Carter of Mars. <laughs> okay. The movie okay. Jack Carter. Right. My whole family hates it. That's the best movie I've ever seen in my life, but nobody <laughs> likes it. Nice. What is something that you hate that everyone loves? Um wow. That's oh my gosh, that is a tough one. <laughs> I I God, I can't even think of one for that. I used to drive a Harley. Nobody liked it that much, but <laughs> okay. I, I kind of liked it. Okay, all right. Um, what is your favorite donut flavor? Oh, it's gonna be a, a cake with chocolate on it. Okay, like the the chocolate frosted around the top? Frosted on a cake doing it with chocolate frosting on the top. That's the best. For me, that's the best. Okay. What's your favorite police movie? Favorite police movie? Oh, my gosh. I I almost have to go to a series, but I I love The Blue Knight way, Mm -hmm. way back uh, when it first came out. Uh, that was one of my favorite movies. Anything Joseph Wamba I love way back then. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite mm-hmm. stuff. I then. actually I have his book uh, Choir Practice on my bookshelf. Oh, you do? I do. I, I love do. that movie. That's one uh, of the first books I started to read way back then. All of his stuff, I loved it early mm-hmm. on. Very cool. Um, all right, so you're going into the biggest moment of your life. You got to really get excited and hyped up for it. What would be the song you walk out on? The song I walk out on? Oh, my gosh. I, I, I love America or the... Um, the Eagles. I mean, God, that you got me on that one. <laughs> I think my favorite all time song. Well, I love Led Zeppelin, Cashmere. That's one of my favorites. I'm mm. constantly listening to it, so I'd probably go with Led Zeppelin, Cashmere. Okay, okay, that's good. That's got a nice build up too for it as yeah. well. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? The best piece of advice. Uh, I, I heard. I was getting really bummed out when I was in Texas as a cop. I, I was just getting tired of everything, and uh, someone pulled me aside, an older guy, and said, "Put his arm around me," said buddy, don't give up. You know, things are going to get better. You just got to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And he was like 70 years old. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're 70 <laughs> years old. And now I look back, cause I was only about 24. And I'm like, he was right. You know, just trust myself and don't give up. What was your childhood dream job? Being a speech and drama teacher, a high school teacher. That was my dream job. I wanted to do that forever. Mm-hmm. And then I became a cop. Yeah, so <laughs> just a little bit it. different. <laughs> but now, I mean, you get to you you present your your education and everything, so you still kind of get that speech and and that uh, performance, so to speak, aspect of it. All right, and the last question: Uh-oh. If you it's a could, hard one, this is the hard one. <laughs> if you could share a meal with one person, dead or alive, that you've never met, who would it be, and what would you order? Oh my gosh, that I've never met, and what would I order? <sighs> that I, I mean, I'm a big fan. Growing up, John Kennedy. 
Mm-hmm. You know, in the sixties, I remember when he was, a, I was living in Dallas at the time as a oh, little kid wow. okay. and I was just so amazed at this and then reading the history and with him, because he's from the Northeast, I want to go have maybe a bowl of chowder with him Okay, uh, okay. up in Boston. So again, I thought that'd be kind of fun, but I always, to me, he kind of really changed everything when you think about government and the president. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. would be kind of fun. Okay, great. So John Kennedy and a bowl of chowder. I like it. All right. <laughs> this has been a great conversation. I, I, I mean, like I said, I, Septed changed my perspective on law enforcement and its position within it. So I definitely appreciate it. Hopefully everyone did as well and they'll be reaching out to you and they'll be checking out Septed. Um, once again, for everyone, just to remind them, where can they find information on Septed? For us, through the company, is septedtraining.net, C-P-T-E-D training.net in Florida. It's going to be the Florida Crime Prevention Training Institute or FCPTI.com. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, you have a great day. You too. Thank you. Absolutely. Everyone listening, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're a hard one, but I know that you got your reasons. These things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow. Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy. She'll beat you if she's able. You know the queen of hearts is always your best bet. Now it seems to me been laid upon your table but you only want the one all right all right we are back and special thanks to my guest art hushin guys it's amazing if you guys are kind of like where i was i was burnt out i was on my narcotics unit and things really weren't going the way i wanted them to go at all and uh, i needed a change and just so happened that my department was adopting septed and I jumped on it as soon as I could. I was on a problem-oriented policing unit, which is heavy into Septed. Um, and if you don't know what problem-oriented policing is, go back and listen to an episode around this time last year with uh, Michael Scott of the Problem-Oriented Policing uh, Center in Arizona. But basically, you know, I was not really loving the narcotics life because of personal issues, you know, and, and whatever. So anyway, if you're where I am guys and you're just burnt out on the police stuff, look into Septed and then, uh, who knows, man, it, it really reignited the fire at least momentarily. And even now I've got my statewide designation and I'm, I'm actively looking for ways to get into Septed at my new agency. I just, I don't know how, when I got hired, there was a captain and he was like, Oh, Hey, you're, you're a Septed practitioner. That's amazing. We're going to bring it in. And we really, we think that you would be great for it. Awesome. I was so excited. The dude retired before I started. That's just, that's just my luck. So what I'm saying is even if you left the job, but you still want to be involved in crime prevention and things like that, there are civilian positions for Septed. Septed is not strictly a law enforcement designation, but it can be. So really interesting to check out, guys. Go check it out. Uh, Go back and listen to the websites that Art said, or they will be in the description below. So I'm going to take the moments to end today's episode to get real with you for a minute. 
I almost didn't release this episode today. And the only reason I am is because I told Art that it was coming out. And I'm a man of my word. I'm honoring my promise. And it's going to come out. And frankly, because I think that the content's good. I think Art's an amazing guy. Uh, I thought he was an amazing instructor when I took the course. I wish he's taught part two, but I had someone else, which is perfectly fine. Good for Art. He's out moving, shaking, and, and doing what he needs to do. Um, that's really why. I, I'm not in a wonderful place at the moment. And uh, I apologize, Art, if, and, and all the Septed people that are listening up to this point. But if you never listened to the show before, we get real with mental health, and we're going to get real with it right now. Uh, I had a conversation with someone who said, maybe you should start cutting out the uh, intros and outros of the shows. Uh, maybe it's not enticing your listeners. You know, it's taking up too much time. So maybe it is. I don't know. So this is going to be the last outro that I put on the shows from here on out. It is just going to be the interviews and we'll see how that goes. Um, but that being said, I wasn't going to put this episode out. I was just going to can the show. I was going to be done with it to forever. I, I was done. I, I, I mean, I'm not off the fence about being done, but I figured I told you guys it was coming out. I told Art it was coming out. It's coming out. So that being said, I am in the middle of a bunch of shit. I don't know. I I really don't know. My mind is kind of all over the place. I think that everything that has affected me and happened to me over the past, uh, I don't know, since June is really catching up to me. Uh, I, I have waves and I always use the analogy of being in a pool and basically some days you are outside of the pool, you're on the, on the pool deck, you're chilling, you got your mimosa in your hand, your mojito, whatever, and you're just chilling. Life is good. No big deal. Then every once in a while, someone pushes you in the water. You weren't expecting it. And you are just floundering. You know, you are just splashing. You can't really feel the bottom of the pool. And you're just, you're trying to, you know, find the edge of the pool. And it's tough. And then sometimes you go under that water. And, you know, you are, you're trying desperately to get back up. But you are just tired. And, you know, sometimes you do come back up. And then you start treading water. And, you know, you're good. You're good for a little while. It gets tiring. And so you may sink back down. Or you may doggy paddle over to the ladder and get yourself out of the pool. That's the analogy that I always use. It's what I've used for several months now. Um, to apply to myself, again, full transparency here. Um, right, right now, this moment in time, we are 9.02 February 3rd, 2022. I'm treading water. Uh, earlier today, I was frantically splashing. I couldn't, I couldn't touch the ground. I was freaking out last night. Um, same thing, but I was tired, man. I was, I was dipping under the water a little bit, but, but a few days ago I was out on the cool deck, like no issues whatsoever. But then those thoughts, they push you in the pool and sometimes you may see them coming. You know, we've all been pushed in the pool and you like grab the guy like, dude, don't fucking do it. I don't want that. And sometimes they stop. Sometimes they don't. And that's that's where I was uh, a few days ago. Where out of nowhere, you know, I kind of, I felt it coming. And the thoughts were just kind of like, hey, 
think you're about to be sad. I'm like, dude, I don't want to be sad. Like, things are good. Then I got pushed in the pool. So, I want to address it um, because it the, the other analogy that I've been using just to kind of... So, that's just where my mental health is, right? But it feels like... Because people ask what's wrong. When, when obviously your, your demeanor changes, people ask what's wrong. And I, can't, I don't know. I could, I, it literally feels like the cup that I put all my frustrations, my sadness, my worries, my fears in got spilt all over my desk. And I'm frantically trying to clean up the mess. So they're all over the place. And I'm trying to put them back in the cup. I mean, I would like to just wipe it up and throw it in the trash and be done with it, but we all know that's not going to happen. And the problem is I feel like I'm using bargain brand paper towels. Now, have you ever spilt something and then like, like a glass of milk or juice or whatever it is, it wouldn't be alcohol. We don't spill alcohol in 10, eight land. And you grab like the bargain, like Walmart brand paper towels and they're thin and they're flimsy. Like they might as well just be tissue paper and you go and you wipe it and it just kind of moves the shit around. You may like pick up like a drop, but it takes up the whole pay, the whole uh, sheet of paper. And then you got to go get more paper towels and everything. That's what it is right now. Like I, I'm trying, man, I'm trying to push through and I'm trying to pinpoint what's bothering me. And, you know, I've kind of got leads here and there. Like, you know, it's, it's no mystery. I've had a great deal of loss in my family and the people close to me over the past, um, 10 years. Uh, more recently though, I've, I've lost three people, three very important people to me in the last, what, less than a year. And it's tough, man. It's, it's tough to come to that realization and, and, I get frustrated with the podcast. I get frustrated with the meme page getting shadow banned almost all the time because I promote police content. Um, I understand that people aren't podcast people, but it's very frustrating to take so many hours out of my week to put stuff together and make sure that things are entertaining, enjoyable, engaging. And for the numbers to not go where I know that they should be or could be, it gets frustrating. And, I've had so many people reach out this week and say, Hey man, like I literally had someone say I was going to kill myself and talking to you and your openness about mental health made me go into therapy. And that's absolutely wonderful. And I'm so glad if you're listening, I'm so glad that you reached out and told me that I am. I'm so happy to be there for people. I am. And that's, that's why I have a hard time saying, no, I'm done. But there comes a point <clears throat> There comes a point where I need to see what I need. It's very frustrating. It's a lot of stress. And for what? So, and and for, for what? I mean, what gain do I get from it? And I, those messages are amazing gains, you know? But it's frustrating because I don't, I don't do this and I don't want extra engagement for personal gain. Yes, the numbers are great, but I, to me, the numbers, when I check my Anchor app too much, when I check my Anchor app, it's because I want to make sure that people are hearing the message. I don't think I'm putting out a shitty message. I think I'm putting out quality content, like I said, 
what Street Cop does for police training, I'd like to think that I'm doing for both entertainment and mental health. I like to think that you guys are entertained, and I'd like to think that there's something that you guys can get out of it. When I started the episodes, the beginning was supposed to be all entertainment and, and goodness, and every once in a while I would get off on a rant on something, and the end would be mental health. And I look at the merch line that we're ready to drop, we're getting ready to drop. I look at all the merch that I've released up to this point. I think about all the art ideas I have. I'm not very artistic, so I have to pay for people to make the art. I get the ideas. I just can't put it together. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. And I know, here's the thing. I know that the core people that tune in every week that reach out to me on the, on the meme page, I know you guys are going to be there and, and I don't discredit you. I, it doesn't take you guys away and not at all, but I don't know. I get frustrated. I do. I get, I get even more frustrated because I see pages like street cop, poorly made Mike, the cop. They all have podcasts that are leaps and bounds ahead of mine. And I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Really? I mean, I am literally one guy in an empty room. That's it. Yes, my girlfriend's been helping with the merch. Um, she's helping me figure out finances because I'm an idiot. Uh, I've had I've I've commissioned artists, but the whole ten eight experience is me, one guy, and that's what poorly is. But poorly made police memes got at the head of the curve. He is he's the guy. He's the guy that all other guys want to be. But then you've got street cop who is you know the God where it comes to like police, anything. If content comes, literally Dennis could wipe his ass, post a picture of the soiled tissue. And you guys would like it probably 50,000 times within the first hour, not to discredit Dennis. I, I, like I said, Dennis is amazing. Street cop is amazing. I don't have that kind of following and it gets frustrating. It does. And I know we shouldn't measure ourselves on each other, but that's who I am. So it gets frustrating. So all that being said, and I said this wasn't going to be a long outro, but this is my last one. So fucking deal with it. I found this speech or this like sound clip from Jim Carrey. And uh, here it is. And at a certain point, I, I realized, hey, wait a second. You know, if it's so easy to lose Jim Carrey, who the hell is Jim Carrey? It was more like you're supposed to say... Yeah, we're important, and you're yeah. supposed to say it's all going to be all right, and you're supposed to say uh, that, you know, whatever you dream can come true, and you're supposed to say all those things. I do believe in manifestation, power of that kind of stuff, but I don't believe that any of it matters, you know. This mattering is, a, is to me, a, a human construct born out of a need, the same need as... You have to have, you know, deities and things like that. I, mean, I believe in an energy of God, an yeah. energy of, you know, everything is divine. You know, there's just not, there's no, there's no thing that isn't divine. Everything is divine and I'm that. And it doesn't matter to me what's happening. I'm finding that ultimately the, the freedom from it is, uh, is something people are kind of hungry for in a way. They're like, I don't want to be me either. Right. You know, and I, and I go, well, look, great, because you never have been. 
I believe that I had to become a famous, you know, idea and get all the stuff that people dream about and accomplish a bunch of uh, a bunch of things that you know that that look like success in order to give up my attachment to those things. It's been a part of the evolution of uh, ego is is to uh, spend your uh, first half of your life acquiring and adding thinking you can add to yourself mm -hmm. and and it looks great I mean it looks great when you got a cool car and you got good nice clothes and mm -hmm. you know and you're uh, and you've done something that people admire but it can never fulfill you you can never be happy you know what I mean it's not it's not where happiness comes from and you know I dealt with depression you know a few years ago and People still think, well, he's going through, you can tell he's depressed. It's not, I have no depression in my life whatsoever. Literally none. I, I, uh, I have sadness and joy and elation and satisfaction and gratitude beyond belief. But all of it is weather and it just spins around the planet. You know, it, it's not, it doesn't sit on me long enough to kill me. The happy place is realizing that you're everything, you know, and that there's no real you involved in the first place you know it's a it's a it's a weird little semantic jump that you make where it sounds like well that's totally fucking threatening man i can't i can't not be me i've built this construct and it's just ideas right. they're just ideas mm -hmm. and so the feeling of uh, wholeness mm -hmm. is is a, is a different feeling than meanness they're all characters that I played, including Jim Carrey, including Joel Barish, including any of those things. They're all characters. You know, they, Jim Carrey was a less uh, intentional character right. because I thought I was just building something that people would like, but it was a character, you know? So it's, uh, you know, I played the guy that was free from concern so that people who watched me would be free from concern. You know, and uh, and then at a certain point you go like, okay, well, that's great, mm -hmm. but you know, it's like the one thing like people talk about depression all the time. The difference between depression and sadness, sadness is just, you know, from happenstance, whatever happened or didn't happen for you, or you know, grief or whatever it is, and depression is your body saying, fuck you, I don't want to be this character anymore. I don't want to hold up this this avatar that you've created in the world. It's too much for me, right. you know. And uh, you should think of the word of depressed as deep rest. Deep rest. Your body needs to be depressed. Mm -hmm. It needs deep rest from the character that you've been trying to play. You know, the the uh, great and powerful Oz. I'm the great and powerful Oz. How dare you come near me? You know, kind of thing. And you're just the sweaty guy behind the curtain going. Right. It's an amazing metaphor, you know, uh, in that movie. So, what that kind of said to me was, you know, when is enough? When I first started the meme page, my girlfriend and I didn't really come to an understanding as to what I was accomplishing what I wanted and I didn't have one flashback to when I was in my band and this is 
years and years and years, almost a decade before I met her. And my family was asking, you know, when are you coming home? Like, when is, when is enough? And I was like, there is no enough. Like, we're done when we're done. I, you know, I, I don't want to set a goal. We hit it, and then I'm like, all right, I'm good, I'm out. And then I go, then I'm done. And that's me with the meme page, and that's what me and my girlfriend initially didn't under, didn't come to an agreement on. She's like, okay, what what follower count or what number of likes is good and like when will you feel fulfilled and I told her the truth I said I don't have a number I, I, I want more <laughs> that's the number I want more and now as you know we live together so the meme page and the podcast have become part of our daily lives she's like okay you know she sees me checking the statistics and I talk about my frustrations about it and she's like okay well when when will when will you reach that point when it's enough and I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I would like it to hit here and then just keep tracking up. <laughs> and it and it hasn't gone there. And it's frustrating. So then it goes to what what else was Jim Carrey saying was this mask, this disguise, this avatar that I put on. And it got me to thinking that maybe I just love other people more than I love myself I do all these different things I put on the podcast I put on the meme page I tell people (laughs) I tell people weekly hey go seek help if you're not feeling your best and then I'm in I wouldn't say crisis but I'm in a situation and people are like hey man you need to talk no I'm good okay do you want to talk to somebody that isn't me no I'm good oh okay Literally having people that I've confided in in the past. Hey, man, you good? Yeah, I'm fine. When I'm obviously not okay. When I'm obviously having issues. And, you know, that's... I don't I don't know what that is. I'm not a, I'm not a psychotherapist. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of which, I've had such a hard time. I had a decent guy that I was seeing before I moved. And when we signed off, when I was moving... We thought we fixed every single problem I started I had when I started with him. And the idea was to roll right into therapy the moment my insurance kicked in, roll right into therapy with a new place. And I started the new place, let's just say September 1st, and everything wouldn't have been cleared by November 1st. My buddy killed himself on October 1st. And I thought I was okay. And then by October 4th, maybe, I was definitely not okay. And I eventually reached out to EAP probably by like October 5th. EAP is an employment assistance program, and they failed me. And it got to the point, it was so frustrating that I didn't want to keep making the phone calls anymore. I didn't, I, I whatever, I'll deal with it. I'll, I'll weather the storm, and I will... Deal with it when I have to deal with it. And it is now, like I said, February 3rd, and I still haven't seen a therapist. Um, I found one that I wanted to talk to, Hit every, had everything on her um, Psychology Today profile that I wanted. You know, I've always seen a male psychologist, so, I, you know, I wanted to see a female for, for, for once and whatever. And, and, you know, I needed a referral 
from my primary care doctor. And then I set up an appointment to see a primary care doctor for that very reason. And I missed the appointment because I'm an idiot. <laughs> so that, that say la vie, that's, that's where we're at. So why am I telling you guys all this? Why am I opening this box of information? Well, first is this is the last time I'm going to talk to you guys. Everything you're going to hear next week, we have Dave, uh, Hey, my man, Dave from unit to back and the Hey, my man podcast. And we're going to talk about policing in general. No intro, no outro next. The week after that, we've got, uh, policing in Germany. No intro, no outro. I, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, it seems to work fine for the Jersey boy episodes. So I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, that being said, this is the last bit you're going to hear from just me. Everything else will be in the guise of an interview. So just just know that this episode wasn't going to be released. Um, and honestly, after the Germany episode, I don't know if I'm going to do more. I have some really cool interviews that would be planned for this coming week, for the following weeks of episode releases. But I don't know if it's even worth it. Um, yes, it feels great to be a resource where you guys can rely on me and I will always be there. And, uh, I even came up with an idea to get you guys to call in a little bit more. It was going to be called blow it out your ass where you guys just got some grievances out. Two people called in, but I don't know. The engagement just isn't there. So, um, that being said, guys, I don't know if. This is the first of the last three episodes of the podcast. I don't know if my mojo will change and I'll get motivated again and I'll continue my interview. I don't know. But until that time, that concludes today's episode. Thank you so much for pandering me, for hanging out with me for a little bit. Hope you enjoyed Art. Go check him out. Septed people, I'm sorry we got a little deep here. <laughs> it's usually not this bad. Go listen to other episodes. There's merch. Go to 10-8-memes, ecwid.com, uh, Instagram at 10-8-memes. I'm sorry, at 10-8-underscore-memes. Facebook is 10-8-memes. And, uh, yeah, we will see you next week with Dave from Unit to Back and the Hey My Man podcast. We're going to talk about Robert Peel and why he is rolling in his grave. Everybody take care of each other. Stay safe. 10-8, out. <laughs>